Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here for Text Driven Tuesday with George Mays. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. Did you get a good good night's rest? Yeah, I guess so. You get that plumbing plumbing fixed? <laughs> I don't. I don't George, want, I would. I don't want to talk about it. I offered. I don't I, want to talk about it. I did offer to come. I I know you committed to the plumber. Yeah. Did he do yeah. you wrong? Uh, well, he just had to. Um, he just had to replace everything because I screwed it up. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> like the fixture? I I I broke the fixture. He had, he had to replace the fixture. <laughs> like the sink? Like uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Was it your kitchen sink? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had to replace the faucet. He had to replace the uh, the shutoff valve. Uh huh. Um, and the uh, I you know I was trying to replace the hose. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You you text me. That's an easy fix. Right. And I knew. I knew immediately that this is going to take me hours. <laughs> Anytime it's supposed to be an easy fix in my house for some reason, I I think I think I'm the I I have not. Um, I think I'm the the first person to replace anything from the when the house was originally built. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's always dangerous. and so everything everything that I have to replace the old stuff is it's not made anymore. <laughs> like that's not the style anymore. Uh-huh. So everything is everything's uh, messed up. Like trying to change the door handle to the the garage door. Um, I couldn't find the. I couldn't find that that type of handle. <laughs> I was having the drill holes. Got to go with the, the drill one. holes in the in the door and everything because they just didn't make they just didn't make that kind of, of handle anymore. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, yeah. Um, so they had to change out the the whole like everything underneath is is new and okay new fixture. Uh, yeah. So what should have been an easy fix. Um, took a turned into a big ordeal. So uh, being a plumber is a good job to have. Oh yeah, because uh, oh, definitely this is like endless. Yeah, this this goes on mm-hmm. like everywhere all the time. Always have something to do. Well, what was so frustrating is I knew hypothetically <laughs> what needed to be done. I just couldn't do it myself. Hmm. So yeah. Uh, Saturday Saturday morning was not super enjoyable. Let's just say I had to apologize to my family. <laughs> oh no, George. <laughs> for for uh, my bad attitude. Mm. But uh it is what it is. And uh I, you know, after it was all done, I was just thinking I should just be I should just be thankful that we have the resources to be able to repair this stuff. Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Or that you've got running water in the house. Yeah. All kinds of stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's good that you apologize. Kids need to see that. Mm-hmm. It's good. I bought them all uh, sour gummy worms and told them I was sorry for being so sour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, you're nice, George. My kids just would have got an apology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
That was creative. That was a good lesson. All right, shall we jump in here? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9, if you have a text, you want to grab a text for Text Driven Tuesday, we're going through the sermon, Hebrews chapter 9, beginning in verse 15, and going to verse 22. So we're going to jump in here. And um, do you want to give us a... Um, Maybe just a little, a very brief, like connection to what preceded. Um, he's talking about uh, the comparison between the old and new covenant. Mm-hmm. He's shown in verses one through ten the weaknesses of the first covenant because it's an earthly tabernacle with um, animal sacrifices and rituals that can't can't actually do anything. Yeah, um, for the human heart. Uh, verses eleven through fourteen show. Um, Christ's superiority. He didn't enter into an earthly tabernacle. He entered into heaven itself. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't offer animal sacrifices. He offered his own blood, and that blood is able to actually purify the conscience and make us acceptable to God. Right. Um, but now in verses 15 through 22, he's asking the question, why did there need to be a blood sacrifice? Like, okay, yeah, here's the yeah. here's the new covenant. Christ, he's he's he is saying that Christ is the mediator of this covenant, but he died. He he took his own blood into the the Holy of Holies. Um why? <laughs> what 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 purpose? Yeah. Um and, and can we can we really trust this this covenant? Can we trust a, a covenant with a mediator who who died in such a, a brutal fashion? I um, liked your introduction, uh, your kind of like attention getter mm-hmm. was uh, like, why why are Christians so obsessed with blood? And you had several quotes. One of them was from John Adams, mm-hmm. second president uh-huh. of the United States. Was he like a deist, I guess? He claimed to be a Christian while um, rejecting pretty much all the essentials yeah. of the faith, like the Trinity. Um, he, so he, he wasn't a Christian. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Um, he would, he'd call himself a Christian, but was rejecting orthodox Christian right. beliefs, but uh-huh. he, he called Christianity the most bloody religion. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we sing about it. We have several songs. Yeah. Sing one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is a fountain filled with blood mm-hmm. drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Yeah. Uh, I, what, what kind of started me in this direction was I ran across a book, um, that's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called um, "Obsessed with Blood: okay. uh, The Crazy Things That Christians Believe." Written by him. And it's written by well, he he does it anonymously. Ex pastor is what he's he calls himself because uh, he doesn't want to deal with all the Christians that okay. Ex pastor now <laughs> critique what? him now atheist probably an atheist oh. yeah probably an atheist um okay. but he he did make a, a good observation christians seem to be obsessed with blood we we talk about it we sing about it um we we drink it in, in the lord's supper um well and, some, some yeah symbolic symbolic right um yeah. and i i think it was um it was a good it's good to be reminded like have our attention drawn to this because we we talk about it so much and we we sing about it so much that we can forget um not everyone knows why we talk about blood so much 
And right. so it can it can be really it can it can come across as this weird obsession. Well, we we really are desensitized to how weird that would sound. Yeah, to, to yeah, some to someone who has never been around, mm. never been on Christianity at all. Right, and then to come into like a service uh-huh. and they're like, man, this the stuff you guys are talking about is <laughs> right. Like, what is this? Yeah, we're, well, we're it, really desensitized to yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, we go back to the earliest. Um, you know, accusations against Christianity, and and two of those accusations is, are that Christians were cannibals uh-huh. and that they drank blood. Mm-hmm. That's that's what um, Pliny, uh, Pliny the the younger, mm-hmm. was um, writing about to the emperor, right? Um, because that's what the Lord's Supper was. We eat, right. we eat his flesh, we drink his blood, and um, the the Romans. There were rumors going around that I didn't want to bring this up in the sermon because it, it was a little too grotesque uh, without like trying to um, introduce it. They thought that Christians were abducting babies and right. and killing babies and and eating them and drinking their blood. Mm-hmm. That that was that was one of the one of the criticisms because yeah. I'd hear this talk about blood and eating yeah. eating the flesh of Christ and they they had no idea what was what was uh, going yeah. on. And they well, and they used to the Romans would just expose their exposure. So the trash yeah. you know, people would throw their trash in the street. Yeah, they probably had some method of picking it up, whatever. But or they would just take their babies to some location and just leave it. You know, right. they didn't. That's their kind of way of abortion. They right. just do it after, yeah. unless you're really wealthy and you had access to a, a form of poison that was very dangerous to take because if you took too much then you know you would die so they're collecting all these babies up because they're rescuing them like they're adopting them right it's early christian ministry mm-hmm. and also all the babies they're like what are they doing with all these babies right. well what's this ritual of blood mm-hmm. that they don't let us see which is interesting if you think about right right because they did not allow non-believers or non-members it seemed like they have closed closed right. communion right into what they were doing right yeah, yeah. so that the Romans, they they thought that Christians were cannibals, drinking blood, mm-hmm. um, and we got, we have to be able to answer these these questions that people are going to have. Maybe you know, hopefully, no one thinks that we're cannibals who drink blood nowadays. But um, we do talk about blood a lot. We sing about blood a lot. If we and if an unbeliever. Or even a new Christian comes in, and they hear us singing about there's this fountain that's filled with blood, and and mm-hmm. any sinner that plunges into that blood will be cleansed. They may have no idea what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, there there may be there may be people who have grown up in in churches that aren't quite sure <laughs> what that's talking about. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so we we've got to, we we need to be you know clear in what we're teaching and explaining these things, um, not just not just simply um, going about our tradition and singing these songs that we've just always sung, but we have no idea what right. they mean. Um, at, you know, actually being um, deliberate yeah. in that. And uh, I, I think this passage is is addressing that and it helps us to understand why why blood? Why did Jesus have to die a bloody death? Yeah, so that's that's what you sought to show from this passage why does why and how blood right 
Jesus' bloody death is necessary for mm-hmm. the new covenant. That's okay. your proposition statement up front. Mm-hmm. Jesus' death is necessary for the new covenant. And you sought to answer that by giving three reasons why. Mm-hmm. Three reasons why Jesus' bloody death was necessary for the new covenant. Um, and I think it'd be interesting to for us to even maybe unpack even a little more as we move, move through this what's behind uh, and why blood. So I, I had one more question as you were asking why. I was like, well, I've, I've got one more. Okay. But we'll get to it as we as we, as we we work through. So the first reason why Jesus' bloody death is necessary for the new covenant is so that God's people would receive all the blessings. All the blessings, George. You want me to read the passage first, Jay? Oh, yeah. Do we do that? <laughs> we do that here still. <laughs> yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, though I'm not, uh, I'm not a big fan of the ESV. George, well, I gotta here. tell you, buddy, I gotta tell you, I have this amazing ESV Bible that my parents gave me. Mm-hmm. See this for graduation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skyler Bible. Yeah, it's nice, and uh, it's like super, super good. Yeah. But as uh, I've encountered many passages, even in preaching in John, <clears throat> and I've seen that the NASB was better. Um, and then looking at the Legacy Standard Bible, mm-hmm. I, I really, really am thinking about switching. Right. I know, I know, you're like, we shouldn't switch because then everybody at the church had to buy a new Bible. But just in the prologue of John's Gospel, where uh-huh. it talks about Jesus as the only begotten, begotten. God mm-hmm. and the only begotten Son in John three sixteen, mm-hmm. you just can't ESV. Yeah, is lacking. You know, that's a pretty huge element of theology that yeah. is communicated there. Yeah. So, and then you're going to come in here and tell me this stuff this <laughs> Sunday. Just is just yeah. giving more, giving me more, more and more reasons why. Well, uh, I, you know, the ESV is not alone in in translating it this way. Um, New International uh, Christian Standard Bible they they all translate it this way, mm-hmm. and um, then the King James and the New King James. They translate it as testament, but that's that's the, the same word, word. That's the word that they use for covenant, right? It's I mean, the same that's, thing. I mean, through throughout Hebrews, every time it says covenant, it's, it's testament. testament, right? Um, so it's the majority reading. So the, the ESV um, is. I wish they would have translated the word um, consistently. The word for covenant. That's what you're saying. But they are. They're interpreting it. So as George reads, you'll see a switch. He'll he'll be saying the word uh, covenant the majority of the time, but then here in the middle he'll change to uh, will mm-hmm. at verses uh, 16 and 17. And it's the same word. It's the same word. Yeah. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Uh, beginning in verse 15 and going through verse 22. Um, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, 
This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump in here, George. Number one, first reason, so that God's people would receive all the blessings. Right. Um, you began uh, by talking about the mediator of a new covenant, mm-hmm. and I think, um, which we've already touched on several times before, so right. don't need to spend a lot of time on it, but right. uh, the old covenant mediated by Moses and then by the priests, mm-hmm. now the new covenant is mediated mediated by someone better than Moses and a greater high priest right. who is um, of the order of Melchizedek and lives forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he secures an eternal covenant. Right. Um, let's talk about though um, the sacrificial death component. Okay. Um, why is a sacrificial death necessary to secure blessings? Mm-hmm. So people might might wonder that. Okay. So they people grow up around Christianity. They could say, okay, well, I got it. Jesus' death was for my sins, mm-hmm. but they may miss this element that his death's necessary so that you could actually not just be forgiven, because think about it, God could just forgive you of your sins and leave you alone, but to secure these uh, this amazing blessing and inheritance. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the inheritance and make it clear what it was in the Old Covenant, mm-hmm. I think, so then we could... I think this can make an interesting conversation, Um, because um, some people have questions about... Have you ever heard the term replacement theology? Did you know I was going to go here? No, I did not, but yes, I have heard of... Could you see how this could be a perfect place to talk about? Yeah, yeah. Uh So we did have a question submitted, and I, I thought I would hold off. Did you see the question? I'll pull it up. We had a question submitted to the podcast, Mm-mm. and I uh, wrote back to him, and I said, hey, you know, this would be good. You know, we'll actually talk about the stuff, because we've got an episode planned on biblical interpretation. Uh-huh. And the, it was a genuine question. This uh, it, this guy wasn't trying to be, like, you know, a contrarian. or Some people, they write questions. They don't, they're not really questions. They're uh-huh. just trying to, you know, be rude. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but no, yeah. he, this was a genuine question. Okay. Uh, he's curious. Um and it would have fit perfectly with the biblical interpretation. I was hanging on to it, and then it would have even went into our eschatology discussion. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I mean, this is like perfect to, to discuss it. Okay, this is what the podcast is for, right? Because yeah. I know some people were thinking, "Well, hang on, George, mm-hmm. you're saying uh, the inheritance in the old covenant is a promised land, right? Well, what about the new covenant? You're saying there's no there's no promised land, there's no <laughs> promised land promise, uh-huh. you know? And then they may right. not know the terms, but yeah. And I don't think you would take the title replacement theologian, but, pe- I, but people, you know, I found it, people would try to label you with that, though. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're not if you're not dispensational, so dispensationalists they hold to two people of God, mm-hmm. Israel and the Church. Um, there's there's differences even within that camp, um, but the more classic dispensationalists would say the Church is just a parenthesis in the purposes of God. Mm-hmm. And so um, Israel, 
God gives all these promises, including the, the promised land, and and then Christ comes. They reject Christ, so there's a stop in the program uh-huh. uh, for Israel, and there's a parenthesis for the church. Uh, there will be a secret rapture at some point in the future. The church will be raptured, and and the church is out of here. And, and it's like God presses the you know the pause button, uh, uh, you know unpauses it, and go time for Israel. Picks up Israel again right. um, with all the promises, including uh-huh. the promised land. Right. 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 Yeah, and if you don't hold to that, um, and a king, and Christ as king over Israel, right in Jerusalem, right, right, right. Um, if you don't, um, if you don't hold to that, they'll throw out well your replacement. You hold their replacement theology. Yeah, sometimes even a liberal. The thing this will be a good. It'll be a good discussion because you know I hold to the historic pre mill view, so it's different than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even they'll even call historic pre mill people liberal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, and, and again, there's there's a spectrum, right? Um, usually, the term replacement theology is is a pejorative, right? It's it's usually not trying to accurately explain a person's position. It's usually thrown out as, well, you just you just hold the replacement yeah, theology, yeah. and it, it's it's just meant to so he, to shut down the argument. So this 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 uh, guy was uh, uh, Lawrence Stanley. He wrote, you can see it. You know, if you go to our episodes, there's a comment on the Trinity episode that we did last Friday. Oh, okay. Um, he's the question is if someone subscribes to replacement theology, do they reject Micah five two, or do they reinterpret it, or how do they reinterpret that to be ruler in Israel? You don't have to go there. It just says that it's talking about. The Messiah, Christ coming, and the context is that he'll be ruler in Israel. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you, if you're if you're already almost there, you can find it. Yeah. Okay. So the idea is that Christ is ruling over Israel mm-hmm. in the Promised Land, right? Um. And and he says he knows he continues to write. He said he just he knows that there are various positions, um, even amongst people that are Calvinist Calvinist camps about the. The future of Israel, mm-hmm. and there are those that believe, you know, there are replacement, like a full replacement. Mm. Um, so what? Well, how how would they interpret that? So we don't have to jump into the Micah five two because I think we can deal with that in the eschatology stuff. Uh-huh. But I know similar question may have come up because I know the the people that are of older generations in our church, mm-hmm. they grew up in the uh, probably in the dispensational camp, and so they probably have the, this question like, hey. You said in the old covenant, the inheritance is the promised land. But then you say, hey, he's inaugurated this new covenant. His death, his sacrificial death has secured by his blood an inheritance right. in the new covenant. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Okay. Um, I did think it's very interesting. Uh, you looked up all of the times that the word inheritance is used, and it's almost always always used of land. Yes. Okay. Um, even, well, I mean, I, I probably would say it always includes land, though it can include other things as well as land. Okay. Um, so you, you get stuff, but you also get land. Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> and um, so you go back to the Old Testament, and this term is used somewhere around 200 plus times. That's a lot of times. It is. Um, But primarily in Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Psalms. Mm -hmm. Now, just those those books should kind of clue you into how the majority of 
and it's it's big um so you'll you'll get like i think it's used maybe once in genesis mm-hmm. you get the numbers and it's like 34 or, or something like that like uh, a massive a massive um leap in, in how many times it's used right right so just in those books um that it's it's primarily used should be kind of clue us into how it's being used because these are these are books that are interested in right. israel coming into the land the, yeah. the promised land um and it's called their inheritance mm-hmm um, sometimes it's used of Israel as God's inheritance. R- yes, right? but it's clear when it's talking about this God's inheritance. Right. Um, but, and Ephesians does both as well. Yeah. Our inheritance and God's inheritance. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but but primarily it's talking about the land, and, and sometimes it's talking to the Levites, they won't have an inheritance because they God is their inheritance. Yeah, they don't have land. Right, they don't have land. Um, but for the other tribes, they have land, and mm-hmm. it's the inheritance that's that's what that's what it is um joshua chapter 11 verse 23 so joshua took the whole land according to all that the lord had spoken to moses and joshua gave it for an inheritance to israel okay um after the this long section in joshua where they're casting lots to determine exactly where Mm -hmm. the 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 land falls for the for the tribes right um at the end of the book he calls Israel together, and he has his final words, um, telling them to choose this day whom you will serve. And after that, it says, "So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance, right. so to your particular place in the promised land." Um, Psalm one hundred five uh, gives, like the I think the best kind of summary of it, because he he draws he draws from the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob mm-hmm. to God gave the land as a, an inheritance right. to the people. So um, there, there's this this land um, aspect mm-hmm. to this this word inheritance. It it carries um, it carries a theological component to it. Right. Um, uh, almost everywhere it's got this theological component. Yeah. When we talk about inheritance, we talk about, you know, when, when um, you know, our our parents uh, die someday. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll leave the inheritance to us. Well, they're not talking. There there is a piece of land, right? <laughs> like their house. Yeah. Um, we get the house, uh-huh. right? Uh, but it's it's more. It's it's their property. But uh, there's not really a theological component to it, right? But in the uh, in the Old Testament, when they're talking about inheritance, it's not just my parents own this house. It's uh, my parents have this land because God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob right. that we would have this land. Yeah, um, that's why that they uh, couldn't sell the land in uh, perpetuity because mm-hmm. the land belonged to God. Right, and God gives it to who He wants, and so after uh, so every seven years, if they've sold a piece of land it reverts back to the original owner. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why um, Proverbs says that you're not supposed to move the, I think it's in Deuteronomy, you're not supposed to move the the, the, land, bo- the, the boundary, boundary markings. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the boundary markers, um, because that's their land mm-hmm. that God's given to them. This is your land. You can't move the, you can't move the stones so that you get a little bit more and they get a little bit less. Yeah. Right? So it's got this, it's got heavy theological, um, 
connotations mm-hmm. to it. Right. Um, so when uh, when he says that um, he's the mediator of a new covenant um, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, there's, there's Old Testament weight that's being brought over. Right. Right. Um, but we have to remember the way in which the New Testament interprets the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Um, and the promises, the promises to the nation of Israel, where they're one nation amongst many nations. Right. So God gives them uh, land. Mm-hmm. He gives them a, a country. Um, we have to remember exactly what's going on in the story. Yeah. So the the whole the whole Bible really can be summarized as this is a story about land. Um, you go back to Genesis chapter two, and God has created special land, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the uh, the Garden of Eden, and He places Adam in the garden. Yeah, He gives Adam uh, a a law, a command: um, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. On the day you eat of it, you will surely die. Mm-hmm. So here's this special land, God's special person is in the land, he has a law. Um, if he keeps the law, he stays in the land. Mm-hmm. Right? And the land, he's supposed to work it and keep it. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you work and keep a garden? It looks awesome. It looks awesome, but and it, can also, expand it. it also grows, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the idea is that Eden, it, the garden, it starts in a, right. in a place, but it's supposed to expand. As they're fruitful and multiply yeah. and fill the I earth. Mean, if, if Adam and Eve are going to have have children, they're not going to stay in just this one this one place. They're going to they're going to fill the earth, right? Yeah. Um, and as they go, they're working and keeping the garden, and the garden is supposed to fill the earth, mm-hmm. right? Of course, Adam and Eve don't do that; <laughs> they rebel, and so they're exiled out of the land. Yeah. Um, to the east, that they, they are sent east of Eden. They're kicked out, right? Which is surprisingly the direction. That Israel is cast out. Right, right. So now you get to the you get to the story of of the nation of Israel, and God has a special place, a special land for them. He's going to put his people there and he gives them a law. And if you keep the law, you'll be blessed. Right? You get to stay in the land. You get to stay in the land. You'll be <clears throat> prosperous. And it's even talked about in in this Edenic right. kind of language. Um, it's the garden of God. It's contingent upon their obedience. Yeah, but mm-hmm. of course they rebel, right. and they are cast. They're cast to out the of the east <laughs> to the east out of the land. They experience death. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, uh, we did this. You know, we talked about it in, in Habakkuk. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's lamenting to God, like, "Look how terrible your people are! Like, how long are you going to let them be like this?" Right. And he brings the Babylonians, yeah. and they're carried away. So now, in the new covenant with Christ, who is a new Adam. Um, we're missing a component of the story. Mm-hmm. Where's the land, right? Right. Um, but now Christ is promised not just a strip of land; he's promised the world. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's going to subdue the world. And by the time you get to Revelation twenty one and twenty two, um, there is a new heavens and a new earth that looks like the Garden of Eden. Right, right. There's there's garden terms uh-huh. all over it. Right. Um, there's the tree of life is uh-huh. is there. Um, right. There's um, there's 
there's no more death. All, right. all the all the curse is gone, um, and God dwells amongst His people in a, a new heavens and new earth that is like the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, so the original, the original garden has now been fulfilled. Right. Um, all of God's purposes weren't just for a little a little piece of land along the Mediterranean. Uh-huh. It, God's promises actually were that the garden would fill the world. Uh, yeah. Interesting in in Romans chapter four, um, Paul picks up on this. This is not uh, this isn't um, the invention of uh, you know a replacement theologian, <laughs> right? Right. Um, it says that. Uh, Romans chapter four, verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world. Right. So Paul's saying that even the promises that were given to Abraham were not just for a little strip of land. It was that the world would be his. Right. Um, And he would be heir. What do you call the, what do you call what an heir receives? An inheritance. Right. (laughs) Right. So, so the promised inheritance that goes all the way back to Abraham is that he would inherit the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it comes through Christ who gives the promised eternal inheritance. Right. Right. Yeah. So this is, this is, this is a big, this is a big story Mm -hmm. that that starts in Genesis 2 and, and goes all the way to Revelation 22. I think people's question might be, you know, I want to try to to be uh, as accurate as I can, and and how someone might would object. Yeah. Micah. So, in for instance, we go to Micah five two, says, uh, "Let's well, begins in one. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us with a rod. They strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. You can obviously see the messianic mm-hmm. imagery. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah." who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. So I think the question would be like, hey, if this is true, what about God's promise that he made to to Israel mm-hmm. that this um, this ruler who will come from Judah, even this this Bethlehem of Ephrathah, is a small this small region, mm-hmm. So even in, within that clan, like the smaller clan, right. there's this uh, this ruler who's coming forth. It's from ancient of days. It's it's Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, that this <clears throat> person from the tribe of Judah will rule in Israel. Right. So that would be their uh, their question. They'll say, "Well, does this mean that God hasn't fulfilled His promise?" And there are a number of ways to answer this question. Um, yeah. So. I've been reading through, as you know, with the kids in the morning, uh-huh. Romans. And it is interesting when you are in the book of Romans to see the things that Paul is doing with how he quotes the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in Romans, where is it at? It's in, is it in Romans 10? <clears throat> I will take them that are not my people. Mm. Where is it at? Um, yeah, uh, Romans it nine. Okay, those who were not my people, I will call my people, mm. and her who was not beloved, I will call beloved. And in the very place was said to them, "You are not my people." There they will be called sons of the living God. Now he's applying that to Gentiles, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but what he's quoting from is in where is it at? 
Um, let me find it. Um, he's quoting from Hosea. Yes, but who is it applied to in Hosea? Right. It, it doesn't apply to Gentiles in Hosea. Right. It applies to mm-hmm. Israel. Right. He's telling to them. But see how Paul uses it is he uses it as he's describing um, Gentiles. So he's taking a passage that does refer to Old Testament Israel. Right. He's applying it to the New Covenant and to Gentiles. Right. Because he's already said that he's made very clear, not only in Romans, but in others, mm-hmm. that Gentiles are grafted into yeah, this was Christ this, the true Israel. Yeah, this was again, I, I think that one of the ways that we have to to understand this is let let the New Testament interpret the Old Testament. This is the divinely inspired apostles who are understanding what's going on, and, and Paul says this was a mystery um, because in the Old Testament you've got you've got Gentiles coming to to um, to Jerusalem to worship, uh-huh. and some of them become full right. Israelites. Um, but it's not really spelled, it's not spelled out exactly how this happens, right? Um, and Paul says here's a mystery mm-hmm. that God is taking the two. And he's making them one. Ephesians chapter two. Yeah, like, that's where I was going like, to go. Yeah, you've next. Got, and you've got you've got I'm Romans. Sure. You got Romans eleven. You've got two trees. One is Israel, and one is the Gentiles. Yes. Um, but what does God do? He cuts off the unbelieving branches, the unbelieving Israelites, mm-hmm. and he grafts in believing Gentiles. Yes. So the believing Gentiles they become. Israel, <laughs> they they come into Israel. There's only one tree. They they're they're being put in by faith in Christ. They don't. They're becoming. They're becoming Israel. They don't. They don't replace Israel. I think yeah. this is. Yeah, I think this is yeah, the confusion. There's not, a, there's not a replacement. I don't know anybody who thinks like, hey, God's done with uh, ethnic Jews. Right. And we replaced them. The Gentiles replaced them. Right. I, that's not it at all. It's a, a temporary hardening. Hardening, as Paul says, that's come upon ethnic Jews, uh-huh. and then the Gentiles are grafted in. Right. Um, by grace, it couldn't be more clear than in Ephesians two. Mm-hmm. Now, I asked this question out at uh, when I was out at school of the theology professor out there, and he didn't give me a straight answer because I don't think there is one if you don't hold to this position. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh-huh. What can you do with it? This right. is the most solid uh-huh. that you can get to say this is not replacement theology. This is Gentiles being grafted in mm-hmm. to. The commonwealth of Israel. Right. It's, it couldn't be more clear. This is what it says. I'll start reading in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Mm-hmm. Commonwealth. Right. The, if you look it up in, in, in Greek, I'm just going to do it real quick. All right. Um, it's like, it's the, the word for the polis. Um, which means like a city uh-huh. or like some something that has a citiz- citizenry. Okay. Um, let's see what it is, because I, I I had to make sure. Like I just like are these the same words? And they are. Um, the Commonwealth. I can't select one word on this thing. It's not working. <laughs> not working for me, George. It's just selecting the whole verse. Of course, I don't want the whole one. I just want that. No. Mm. This is high quality entertainment here. No, it is. It it actually is. It's um, 
You have a you have an app on your phone? Okay, here we go. I think Commonwealth Polity yes. Citizen. It's where we get Politeus. our word for, It's where we get our word for polity. Po- yeah. Uh, Politeus. Same word used as we move down through the text. Okay, listen for it. You ready? You were alienated from the Commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Talk about discouraging. <laughs> right. So like But this is the old this is the old covenant, right? Yes. The, the old testament, it's the nation of Israel are the people of God. They're the ones that receive right. the promises. They're the one that have the the temple and the priest and the sacrifices and the Gentiles are Gentiles. Well, right? just think about the the, uh, the supposed Christians today that say God accepts all other religions. There's multiple ways to God. Yeah. And what do you do with this passage? Yeah, it says that one time you were you had you were without God and had no hope in the the world because you're a Gentile. Yeah, but now in Christ Jesus. You who were once far off have been brought near by yeah, the blood, uh-huh. the blood of Christ. There it is. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. This fits right in with what we're talking about in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. That He might create in Himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body, Mm. not two, one body, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, you are fellow citizens Mm -hmm. with the saints, and members of the household of God. So there's the question. In this text, there is only one citizenry discussed. Right, right. That is the commonwealth of Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing to remember. I don't think I've become an ethnic Jew. (laughs) Right. We'll probably hash this out more when we talk about eschatology. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do think that there is a place in the future for ethnic Israel. I think there will be a mass conversion of ethnic Jews at the end, and that will be uh, the resurrection of the dead. And Christ will return. Of course, I believe he'll reign on earth for a thousand years uh, with a rod of iron. But even if I didn't believe that, and I was an all-mill or post-mill, I would still believe that in the new creation, Christ would be reigning Mm -hmm. from... Because I don't think he just like disintegrates all of reality. I think, you know elements are burned up, whatever, but the earth is regenerated, and he will rule on the new earth uh-huh. from a place, uh-huh. and he'll be a Jew forever. Right. There will be people around him mm-hmm. that are Jews forever. Right. I don't think with the new creation wipes out ethnic distinctions. Right. I no, think I when we're think resurrected so from the dead, it'll be me, uh-huh. and there will be Jews, right. and what God does with his plan as he administers the new heaven and the new earth, mm-hmm. are, uh, that's his prerogative. Right. Um, so I don't believe I've replaced Israel at all. Right. I just believe by grace I've been engrafted into Christ mm-hmm. and have become a member by grace of the Commonwealth of Israel. Right. Right. That's it. And he yeah. he he rules right now. Uh, right. That, I mean that's that's Peter's speech in in Acts two. I mean the the mm-hmm. the uh, the presence of the Spirit is evidence that Christ has been raised to sit at the right hand of the Father. Right. So he is ruling in the midst of. Israel right now mm. it's it hasn't been consummated mm-hmm. so he's he's not physically on a you know physically in the new heavens and new earth um, ruling but 
he rules through his church. Um, yeah, and the the inheritance. Mm-hmm. So we we got we took a long long trail. No, that's good that's, to get to because yeah. I think when people see like what is the the what do we inherit right in the new covenant right yeah um, it's everything it's everything yeah we in, we inherit the world yeah we inherit the world um what does he uh now I'm gonna have to go looking for something real quick um here let me see if I can uh if I can find it stall for time Jay. How about the how about the universe, George? You ever think that if we inherit everything, how about the the universe? Huh? You going to become a colonizer of Mars with me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, I, I love these verses at the end of First Corinthians chapter three. He says, "So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future." All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Mm-hmm. Isn't that great? That's a great, that's great right, verses. Yeah, Everything belongs to us in Christ. Yeah. Um, so we we will we will be co heirs with Jesus of mm-hmm. of all things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, and this all of this comes through the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, like I said, I'm fine. I'm fine with uh, in the new heaven and the new earth. If there's a place of land, and mm. and that's where he sets up his he reigns from. Yeah. And the people that are ethnic Jews, they're there in that land. That's yeah, cool because yeah. I'm taking Mars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna expand out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, we don't. I mean, there's there's. I mean, we we don't know. We don't know what it's going to. be be like on the new earth we have yeah. we have no idea we we just know that, uh, that we just that know christ, that christ will be there he'll he'll be there it will be um a, a perfect it will be eden glorified mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and there will be no more death crying pain suffering um we will never be separated from god um the devil will be destroyed there will be no no, um, no opportunity for him to ever yeah, deceive, no, no possibility deceive of again. Um, but the details, we, the we details, just, we just don't know. But yeah. um, we will, we will inherit all of these Everything. things. We'll, right. we'll inherit all of these things um, Which, because of Christ. Yeah, and this is you know to to emphasize, they couldn't hold the inheritance ever. Yeah, they the, kept, yeah, lo- the, they kept the, losing it. The inheritance under the old covenant was contingent upon. Obedience. Obedience. Um, Leviticus twenty six, Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight. They are they're promised that mm-hmm. the land will be prosperous. You'll be fruitful and multiply. You will live at peace in the land, unless you rebel. And, and they kept they, kept they did. I mean, under the under the old covenant, under the law, where the law is written on stone tablets, they are unable to. Yeah. Um, that they're, they're unable to keep the inheritance. So in Christ, so so you've got you've got this dilemma, right? Um, according to the law, under the law, um, they can only get the inheritance by obedience, right? And they can't do it. And it's not like you know, it's but God has promised to Abraham that right. your offspring will inherit the land. And and, Paul, and so you've got so and like you've got, Paul says, singular offspring, right? He so makes you've got it clear, so yeah. you've got this you've got this. Um, this conflict 
or the people can't do it because of of covenant breaking, but God has promised to Abraham that they would. So right. how how is this going to be reconciled? It's reconciled in Christ. Right. Yeah. Christ has lived a perfect life. That's his act of obedience. Yeah. Right. He he has kept the law, and so the covenant promises go to they him. Go, they, they go, go to, to him. him. He he is the only true Israelite. There, and, there's only ever been one true Israelite um, who's ever lived, mm-hmm. and it's Jesus. He is the only one who has right to the inheritance. Has the right to the inheritance, um, but he represents us. Mm-hmm. And by dying on the cross, he takes the covenant curse, the, mm. all of our covenant breaking. He takes upon himself. So he suffers the curse. We get all the we get the blessings. Right. right? Yeah. Um, but he but he rises from the dead. Um, victorious over sin and death because it wasn't his sin; it was ours. He was uh-huh. our representative, yeah. um, and so by rising from the dead, all of the promises they go to him mm-hmm. and those of us who mm-hmm. are in him. We spent a lot of time on that, didn't we? Good, I, I good think that's goodness. I think that's good. I wasn't expecting that direction. But well, that's, I, I that's just know. I, I think I, I think you're right. As uh, I'm listening, I try to put myself yeah. in like uh, other people's minds. Mm-hmm. Like, what questions did people have in here? Yeah, and because I want to raise them on the podcast, right. and we can talk about them. I just thought that would be one for sure that some people probably would have. When we read the Old Testament, we have to remember that the things that were promised to the nation of Israel were always pointing to something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin talks about this. He says that the promises of God were not just so the Israelites could enjoy all these fleshly blessings in a full stomach. But he burned servitus, so we can't listen. That's to him. true. That's true. He's bad. <laughs> That's true. He's a bad, bad guy. Yeah, um, I think that a lot of people do. They, they. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to debate you on this right now, Jay. But some of the some of the criticism of chilealism or millennial uh, millennial thought in the early church was uh, um, these people are just focusing on these earthly blessings. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that about you, Jay. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying that that was an early that was a criticism of the early church. The uh, those who weren't those who weren't holding to a, a premillennial reign, they were saying, um, this this is focused on earthly pleasures and and just having enough to, you know, filling your belly and and just having a good time and, and all of this. Whether I whether that was true of that time or not, I I don't know. But um I think a, a, a lot of us will will read the Old Testament like, here's the promises that were given to Israel and isn't it great? But those promises were always meant to to point forward to something even better. Mm-hmm. Um, it was those it, it were those Israelites that were content with just those things mm-hmm. were the ones that actually didn't inherit the actual promises. Right. Um, Ahab wanted he wanted you know his he wanted that plot of land. He wanted mm-hmm. Nadab's plot of land, um, and he wasn't going to be satisfied until he got that plot of land. And and by letting Jezebel murder Nadab, and he got he got that. You know that earthly piece of land, he missed out on the eternal mm-hmm. inheritance. Mm-hmm. He missed he missed the the promise that this piece of land was actually supposed to be pointing him towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we if we are content with just earthly blessings and just being happy here on earth, we're gonna miss the actual promises that God has given in Christ. They're so much bigger and so much better 
than what we're content with. Mm-hmm. It's that C.S. Lewis quote where the the kids are are just content with mud pies mm-hmm. when they they don't even have a concept of a holiday at the at the beach. Mm. Um, they're content to just sit in mud. Um, that's us. We right. we're content with physical pleasures and and physical gain and and all of this, and we'll we'll miss out on what what God's got for us in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I. I I tried to slip it in there. I, I tried to to bring attention to it, but but couldn't really draw. I I was I was really close to just doing verse fifteen yesterday uh, and real? just preaching verse fifteen. Mm. Um, the uh, you know we were talking about Calvin. Mm-hmm. We've got um, he's the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called right um, may receive the promised internal, eternal right. inheritance so mm-hmm. there is a special group of people that are called this is this is old testament language too because <clears throat> right. god called israel yes um, th- this was not this was not a free for all for all the nations it was for israel uh-huh. uh but then it says um, they may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death occurred that redeems them them right um, i i can't escape thinking about limited atonement there. Yeah, you're talking about definite, the definite atonement, and I think this might have been the passage. I told you my friend was preaching through Hebrews, uh-huh. and I got a phone call one Sunday morning. It was like 6.30 a.m. Um, so I always get up before the family and go in the living room and mm-hmm. open, you know, open my Bible up. I start to think through my sermon, like go through it, yeah. prepare myself, get a phone call. It's my buddy, and I think it's this text. Really? He's like, J.J., I don't know what to do. If Rob, Robert, if you're listening, I, I mean, I'm glad it happened to you. Yeah. But this was the beginning of the end for him. Yeah. Because he was, before this, he would have been like, uh, oh, what is that guy's name? Norman Geisler. He was big into Norman Geisler. Oh, yeah. And man, I would, we we spent so many days, like mm-hmm. I, I would, we were good friends. He, yeah. was, he was definitely anti-Calvinist back then. Uh-huh. We'd go duck hunting and we'd be like, no, no, I'd be like, no, no, this is it, this is this, this is, hang on, bam, you know? <laughs> And then, then we continue talking, but this was the beginning of the end for him because he's like, I don't know what to do because the passage it clearly says like, I see what it clearly says. I'm like, man, I <laughs> right. What do, you, what do you want? To say? What do you want me to say? You just preach what's up, preach what's there, and and you'll be good to go. Yeah, Christ died a death to redeem those who are called. Yeah, that that's what that verse says. The called. Yeah. Yeah. The called out. The elect. It's not. Can you use uh, that word? Is that bad? Yeah, I don't think it's. I don't. It's not. Uh, it's not the same it's word. Not the same but word. But that's what. But it, that's what it is. That's yeah. what it's meaning. Yeah. Yeah. It's those a, that are those called, who are called will receive the promised eternal inheritance. That's that's perseverance of the saints. Right. Um. That so we got election, perseverance of the saints. We got definite atonement. Um. They they receive it because a death has been di- uh, has been paid. Um. That redeems them. From the transgressions uh-huh. right. uh, committed under the first, the first covenant. Yeah, that's a slam dunk, man. We could spend another, pff, yeah, hour <laughs> talking about this one verse. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've got an episode planned for that, George. Yeah, so we'll not we do, do it this okay. time because right. we've got one coming. We're gonna do the. We're gonna do them right. The doctrines of grace oh, yeah, yeah. coming yeah. up. Well, I, you know, I, I think again, this is a place where you need to pay attention to the words that are used. Mm-hmm. Don't don't just don't just you know fly through this verse. What is the pronoun there, and what's the? We talked about this mm-hmm. um, on on Friday. What's the antecedent? What is the? What's the object of that pronoun? Right. Those who are called them, mm. <laughs> a, a death has occurred that redeems them. 
redeems those who are called. Mm. Right. So you got to pay, pay attention to these words. The, the the author of Hebrews, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to to uh, to write not just the the thought, the idea, but to write the actual words that you're reading. So I don't see any Zazams in here. You don't see any Zazams? <laughs> I don't see any Zazam pronouns in here, George. Yeah. <laughs> that might be further proof of definite atonement. Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you think? That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Yeah. I couldn't resist. <laughs> what would you do without me, George? You come in here a little I mean, melancholy. You know, the sky is the limit. <laughs> you come in here a little melancholy. You sit down, and, and we're done, and you're feeling pretty good. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, well, right. shall we move on to the next point? <laughs> yes, please. Okay. All right. Uh, the second reason there is that Christ's bloody death is necessary for the new covenant is so that the curses would be enforced, mm-hmm. verses 16 and 17. Yeah. Um, as you said, as you began this, you said, okay, listen, I read... A, ba- a bazillion commentaries, <laughs> right. and you're texting me like all week long, and uh-huh. you're like, "I wish that I knew what this meant." And these commentators say, "Like no one knows really what this means," and I'm just kind of giggling and laughing and say, "Now you get a little taste of Ecclesiastes, of <laughs> 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 a little taste of the pain of Ecclesiastes," uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and it all comes down to this word, uh, the the word that's translated as covenant. Um, and what I thought was interesting is how many times the word is used and translated as covenant. Right. <laughs> and then you're like, so share that with us, because I think that is is relevant in this discussion. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a pretty weighty argument. Right. Um, so the, the word is diatheki. Mm-hmm. Um, it is found 33 times in the New Testament. Well, hang on, let's back up. Okay. We're just assuming people listen to the sermon. Explain verses 16 to 17. Okay, so uh, he uh, let me just read it again. It okay. says, for a, where a will is involved. So a will or a last will and testament is the way that the ESV is uh-huh. is understanding it. This is the majority understanding of, of this passage. So um, the King James we, we talked about, it translates it as testament, mm-hmm. um, which... A last will and testament. This is a legal document, um, just outlining how uh, someone wants their inheritance to be right. shared after their death. Right. Yeah. Um, so that that so the the you people know, that hold on to the will they 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 go back up to well, there's an inheritance. Yeah. Right. So you we know get, what? we get the inheritance. You ever make a will? I have not made a will. I need to, but I have not. When uh, so when you're in the army. Like, you know what your job is, right? right. You're like, hey, and you get deployment orders. Uh-huh. Then they take you through this out-processing station on the day that you deploy. So you wake up super early in the morning, you know, and you're like, it's way early. You'll all meet at a location. Then you, we went over to this gym mm-hmm. um, in Fort Sill. They have these different stations for you to go through. Like, make sure you, all your shots are good to go. They'll like, whatever. They try to give give me the anthrax. And and they're, they're like, is your wife pregnant? And I was like, yep. Yeah. And they're like, well, we're not going to give it to you. And I'm like, yes. Anthrax. I, I didn't want that shot, but okay. Anyway, I digress. So you go to these different stations, and one of them you go to is you sit down, and it's like a legal team there, and they're like, "Okay, um, let's make your will." And you're like, "Oh, dang!" Then reality hits you wow. square yeah. in the face, yeah. and you make your will out. Right. Wow. Yep. So, I know all the soldiers were thinking about it when you were preaching it. Right. Last will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, you're right. Like the will, like we can understand that, right? And this, that, this the, is, the will is a covenant, 
It's like a legal covenant you're making that isn't enacted unless you die. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, so this is this is the way that um, Calvin, Owen, Spurgeon, um, uh, Gill, Matthew Henry, mm-hmm. Luther. Didn't see Luther. Didn't see Luther in mm-hmm. any of the stuff. R.C. Sproul, at. Um, John MacArthur, John MacArthur, John Piper. Mm. So what you're telling me is you're wrong. It's a de- <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's a definite possibility. I'm just teasing. It's I'm just a, I'm just te- it's a definite possibility. <laughs> I'm just I'm just teasing you, George. I'm just teasing you. I think you you presented some good uh, argumentation for where you landed. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I mean I I'm convinced. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is, but I was I was convinced. Okay. Um, what, what's interesting, I didn't bring this out. There's actually another word. So a will is um, there. They had wills mm-hmm. in the the ancient Greek world, right? Um, so the the argument is he's using wordplay, right? So, because there's so a different word for will. So it's it's diatheki is is covenant or 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 it could be a will. Uh-huh. Um, in ancient Greek, so he's so he's using wordplay. So would they use that word? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. would for yeah, will. D- yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, what's interesting is that there's another word for um, covenant in the uh, ancient Greek. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it's never used in the Septuagint. Okay. So the only word that's used for covenant is diatheki. So when so when God cuts a covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15, right. it's not the more technical word for a covenant. Well, it's you're diatheki. You're bringing up the Septuagint is good weight because um, it was already in place by the time of Jesus and Paul, right. and they would have used it. And, and the author of Hebrews uh-huh. he uses the Septuagint. It's, right. I mean, whenever he tra- everyone whenever he quotes the Old Testament, he's using right. the, he's using the Septuagint. It's hard. I, I don't think people really understand. I think people assume. Like Jesus and all the apostles were using a Hebrew Bible, uh-huh. but the Bible that was in widespread use was the Greek Old Testament. Right. And that's confusing, I think, sometimes to mm-hmm. people, but it does supply good evidence for your argument. Yeah. So the so the word um, it's used thirty three times in the New Testament. Out of those thirty three times, seventeen times are found in Hebrews. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about covenant all over the place, right? Right. Um, it's found almost 300 times in the Septuagint. That's a lot. A, that's a lot of times. That's a lot of times. Um, and the only place where this word would be translated as a last will and testament would be these two verses. Mm-hmm. There's an argument that it could be what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 3, but um, even there, I think... A covenant is is more likely, right? Um, so that's that's kind of a it's not a slam dunk, but that provides quite a bit of of weight. I think mm-hmm. is this word is used all over the place, and it always means it always stands for a covenant, um, unless you translate it as a will here in verses sixteen and seventeen. Mm-hmm. But if we just if we just confine our our studies to the book of Hebrews, we have to remember that the book of Hebrews is all about how Christ is superior to the old covenant, to the old diatheki. Right. right? Um, because a new diatheki has come. Um, so he's he's the book 
is all about the new covenant. Yes. But then we come to we're in we're in a passage that's all about the comparison between the old covenant and the new covenant. Mm-hmm. The verses around 16 and 17 are all about a covenant. Verse 15, he's the mediator of a new covenant um, because um, he's died to redeem his people from transgressions committed under the first covenant. Mm -hmm. Uh, Verse 18 picks up with, therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. So we've got a tight grammatical structure that doesn't really makes sense if verses 16 and 17 all of a sudden he's talking about a will yeah talking about a covenant he's talking about a will he's talking about a covenant but you've got you've got connecting words Mm -hmm. that um they're they're not transitional he's not there's not a very clear transition from one one subject to another if he's if he's talking about a covenant and then he's talking about a will it's really it'd be really difficult to to so, see that if we're reading it in the right. Greek, it would be really difficult to to see the will to see the wordplay. Right. The those the majority view mm-hmm. of like all the theologians you m- mentioned and preachers, um, the, that majority view sees these verses as supporting the first point we just talked about. How do we receive an inheritance? Right. Well, because a will has gone into effect and the test, inaugurated the, at the, the death. Te- of, the testator had to die. Yes. Right? And that so, but that's not the argument that you're making. Right. It's a little little different than that. Mm-hmm. What is so? What is the argument that you are making that this verse, these verses are teaching, if they're interpreted as covenant? Um, I, well, I, I think that the the New American Standard and the Legacy Standard Bibles are are better because they consistently translate the word as covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't like. I don't like where. So you're um, trying to tell me that I need a new Bible for Christmas? Well, it's fine. <laughs> Angie, if you're listening, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> um, I remember teaching this this passage to um, our small group back in Louisville years ago, and I was teaching it as as covenant and arguing. I think that the ESV, I think the word will should be covenant, mm-hmm. and. Uh, one of the guys just marked out the word and <laughs> put covenant in there and um that's uh, that's a little that's a little uncomfortable yeah <laughs> when when someone is uh putting so much weight on your teaching that they're yeah. willing to actually write <laughs> actually mark mark mm. out a, a word in their bible mm-hmm. um yeah uh if you're going to put covenant just put it off to the side. <laughs> would you, would it made you feel better if he wrote diathiki? Diathiki, yeah, 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 diathiki. <laughs> well, I just i i uh, i like the words being translated consistently because if if you don't know um, that it's the same word when you get to verse sixteen, it says where a will is involved. Um, you're just going to immediately assume that interpretation instead of thinking through. The covenant position, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that the the word should be just consistently translated as a covenant. Okay. Um, so uh, another uh, another word that needs to be properly translated is at the end of verse sixteen. So where a, a a covenant is involved, the death of the one who made it. That's one word. So the covenant maker must be established. Um, it's it's actually the word for carry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember your. Uh, your Greek, mm. it's it's Pharaoh, 
um, it's it's to carry or mm-hmm. to bring in, right? Or um, it must be born, mm. B-O-R-N-E. Okay. Um, which is interesting because um, the again the writer is using words that are uh, they have theological weight to them, mm-hmm. right? That they're they're intentional, and um, this idea that it must be born. Um, uh, reminds us of Isaiah fifty three, right? Where uh, he has borne our griefs, yeah. Uh, which, at the end of um, the passage, in verse twenty eight, um, he's going to allude to Isaiah fifty three again. Mm-hmm. Also, that he uh, he he bore or to bear the sins of many. Um, that's Isaiah fifty three. So there there could be right. a, a, there could be a connection with Isaiah fifty three that could be on his mind also. Which is not a will; um, it's a covenant. So your argument then is that the way you're interpreting these words as covenant is supporting the last part of verse 15, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Yes, okay. and and then the first part of verse 18, where he starts talking about the first covenant again with mm-hmm. the word therefore. Um, which it's just a it's just a smooth transition mm-hmm. uh, connecting those two ideas together. So, uh, so I think that what's going on is, uh, and we have to understand what um, what a, what the covenant he's he's thinking of right. is, and and thinking about uh, what is involved in making a covenant. Right. So where a covenant is involved, the death of the one who made it must be brought in mm-hmm. um, so we, we think back to the the Old Testament and um, I, I I brought out two examples right um, Genesis chapter 15 mm-hmm. and um, Jeremiah chapter 34 uh, so you've got in Genesis 15 you have God promising to Abraham that he is going to his offspring is going to inherit the land there's there's a, a theological connection mm-hmm. right there we've already talked about. Um, Abraham, or Abram, he says, how, how can I know? Because I'm old, I don't have any children. Yeah. Uh, so God tells him, um, bring some animals. Uh, and um, Abram brings uh, a heifer. Talked about the heifer mm. last, last week, right? Uh, he, cuts, he cuts the heifer in half. So not not uh, not across the the middle, but just straight down, mm. right? Um, and lays the pieces side to side, and then um, he falls into kind of a deep sleep. It gets really dark, and he hears God saying, "I'm prom I'm I'm promising that this will this will happen," and then he sees a, a flaming pot and um, a torch. Going go, between go the through. pieces, right? Um, I think we talked about this on yeah. Friday. Uh-huh. This is not this is not a Disney cartoon where you know right. these inanimate art objects are yeah. floating. Someone's carrying them. It's just too dark to see who it is. Um, and and uh, then in, in Jeremiah thirty four, um, you've got the king and and he tells the people to set their uh, set their slaves free. They they um, are not supposed to keep. Every seven years, they're supposed to release their um, Hebrew slaves, mm-hmm. and they haven't been doing it. So they do it, um, and then they uh, they make a covenant. Uh, but then they decide, no, we're 
we don't want to do that. So they take their they take their slaves back. And God tells them, um, since you've done this, I'm going to make you like the the uh, the calf that you cut and cut into. So what's going on in these these covenant cutting? It's called cutting a covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, is you cut these animals in two, and then you walk between the pieces, and you are saying, "Let the same thing be done to me as has happened to these animals if I don't keep this covenant." Uh-huh. Right, which is significant that only God walked between the pieces right. for Abram. Right, um, so he's taking both sides mm-hmm. of the covenant. Um. So the the um, what's going on when they when they cut a covenant is they kill an animal as a representative of the person making the covenant. Mm-hmm. So you kill the animal, and you're 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 saying, "May I right? May I suffer the same fate mm-hmm. if yeah. uh, if I don't keep the covenant?" Yeah, right. Um, so going back to to Hebrews nine, um, where a covenant is involved, the death of the one who made it must be brought in. Mm-hmm. So there, there has to be that representative. The the animal has to be there mm-hmm. to to die um, for the covenant to be right um, enacted. Uh, then verse seventeen: For a covenant takes effect only at death. Um, that literally means a covenant is um, a covenant is confirmed over dead things. Mm-hmm. I, again, I I like the ESV, but here just causes some problems because it translates words in weird ways um because only at death um the words plural for one thing um another it's it's not uh it's not a noun um it's a participle so over dead things um so a covenant's confirmed over dead things over sacrificed animals right right um since it is not in force or it's not strong it's the word strong um, it's not strong as long as the one who made the covenant is still alive. Um, and that could be interpreted in two different ways. The covenant's not strong until the sacrificed animal mm-hmm. um, is dead. Or I think um, the way I'm interpreting it is the covenant's not strong as long as the the covenant curses haven't been enforced. Right. As as so you're you're making this because he's he's he doesn't have just a covenant in general in mind. Verses eighteen through twenty two tell us what covenant he's got in mind. Right. He's got the the covenant <clears throat> that Moses mm-hmm. inaugurated right. at, at Mount Sinai. So he's not he's not just talking about, well, any covenant has to have this. He's talking specifically about this one. So he has in mind a broken covenant. Yes. Um so the the covenant was um, it was established by these sacrificial animals. Um, they kill these animals, and then Moses sprinkles the blood on the people. He he tells them, "Here's the terms of the covenant." The people respond by um, everything that the Lord has said, "We will do." Right. He sprinkles them with the blood. In other words, um, this animal stands as representative for you. If you don't keep this covenant, that's you. You're mm-hmm. you're the dead you're the dead thing. Right um, now, if um, if they had broken the covenant and they hadn't suffered the consequences, if if a death hadn't been um, paid, then the covenant wouldn't be strong. Mm-hmm. It would be an empty threat. That's that's what we call them, right? An empty threat. 
So in order for the covenant to be strong, this broken covenant, the the death of the covenant maker has to be established, mm. right? Yeah. You following me? I am. <laughs> I am I am following you. All right. Um and so what's going on is that the people of Israel, they have they've made this covenant. Uh this animal has stood as representative for them. They've said, We'll do all the covenant, we'll do everything God says. Moses sprinkles them with blood. Um you're dead if you if you break the covenant. And they've broken the covenant. Right. And so what does what has to happen? They have to die, right? Well, um, here, here's where Christ's death comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, a death is owed. The, the covenant penalty has to be paid. It's either going to be the people or someone has to take their place. Right. Um, and the only one who can take their place is Jesus. So he actually stands as the one who... Um, suffers the penalty. So the animals represent the people. Gotcha. They're supposed to die. Okay. Um, Christ instead dies for the people. Mm-hmm. He um, he takes the he takes the the penalty of that broken covenant mm-hmm. on himself. Okay. That's gotcha. that's gotcha. how that's how I'm interpreting it. All right. Um, and I found I found a bunch of uh, helpful. Uh, not I mean even though it's the majority the will position is the majority um i still found a good a good number of commentators and uh-huh. um, word studies that took the same position uh one of the one of the commentaries i read that pushed me further in this direction was um a jewish commentary mm-hmm. so this uh this jewish scholar this messianic jew who lives in jerusalem um he's he's written a new testament commentary kind of bringing out the the jewishness of it uh-huh. and he takes the covenant position mm. so i was like all right, <laughs> that's that's good. I'm done. <laughs> that's that's helpful um, to, to you, see to see some <clears throat> to see a messianic Jew that 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 um, probably has you know more understanding in the background than I do to uh, to take the covenant position was uh, at least encouraging. Aren't you partial? You're partially Jewish, <laughs> like just a little bit. I won't tell Kanye West, I, <laughs> but. Maybe D.A. Carson. I was surprised. Um, you know, D.A. Carson and Greg Bill. They have their uh-huh. uh, their New Testament commentary, the Old Testament. I was reading their passage. Uh, their, and they went their that section way? on this, and they they take okay. the covenant position right, right. also. Oh, yeah. So yeah, um, so there. So I I don't want to make it sound like uh, there's this this whole weight on one side, and George decides to be this contrarian. Right. There there are other um, there are other, other commentaries yeah. that explained it a lot better than I did. Um they're just not um they're not as well known names. Um one guy's name is Gareth. Gareth Gareth Cockerill. Okay. <laughs> that that's uh you that's very unique. He wrote the yeah. uh he wrote the New International um uh, uh version New Testament commentary Okay. Uh, yeah. On Hebrews. All right. And he took this Dennis Johnson. I don't know if you know if you've heard that name, Dennis yeah. Johnson. Um, he took that position. Uh, A. W. Pink. He wants to. Uh, he wants to straddle the fence. He does. And yeah. say you gotta. You gotta have both. You gotta have covenant and will in mind. It and could be a double entendre. It could be, but the way that 
the the structure of the argument uh, it it kind of has to go one way or the other. If if we it, find the, if we find out flow. later that John wrote this, uh-huh. then I'm saying it's a double it's entendre because <laughs> he does it all the time in the Gospel right. of John. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. yeah, it could it it could be. I mean, I'm not. So the the um, one commentator I read said that you have but a choice of difficulties, and take what view you please. Something will be left perplexed and unsatisfactory. <clears throat> That's always, you know, an encouraging. Well, that's always an encouraging <clears throat> sentence to see yeah. when you're reading. I'm sure you've you've run across yeah. that a lot in Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. Um, you just got to take a. I there's not going to be a like you're not going to fall into heresy. Well, th- by taking one th- position over the other, I I just think the covenant position makes more sense in the flow in the flow of the right. argument. So you, uh, I was going to reemphasize whichever view you take. Um, you're just going to emphasize a different portion of verse 15. Right. Yeah. So yours is emphasizing the latter so, half of so verse 15. So if you take the will position, it's just strengthening verse 15, he died so that mm-hmm. we might um, have, an inheritance. have an inheritance. If you take the covenant position, you view 15 as he died so that you get the blessings, 16 and 17 is he died so you don't get the curses. That's right. Yeah. Um I do have one major objection, but I'm gonna hold it till the till we're done, or like till what's off. Okay. I don't want to bring it up on on air because <laughs> okay. it's not. I don't want to. I don't want to like try to throw you under the bus like that or anything. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 hey, whatever you want to do, man. No, no, no. Um, I, I'm not about that. I um, I, I you know this these these are um, many comment. I mean, almost all the commentators were like, this has divided. Oh yeah, theologians. This is probably these are probably the two most difficult verses in the book of Hebrews, right? And that's saying a lot because we had to go through Hebrews chapter six, right? Yeah. Th- this has divided people more than than the warning passage of Hebrews chapter six because it's and you got another one coming up because another, the, another verse coming up. Yeah, it's difficult. Oh, I know it, but uh, because the um, because the sentence structure is so weird, and because uh, the word can be used in in two different ways, um, I thought you it's presented. Just, it's just difficult. I thought you presented a good argument for your case. It, it's um, just difficult, and and either which whichever way you land, um, you are you are really trying to do justice to what's in the text. So you're not either way you go. You're 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 trying to interpret and understand better. And both what's there. and both and both of them are true. Wh- whichever direction you go. Um, Christ died so that we might have an eternal inheritance. Right. Christ died taking the <clears throat> taking the the punishment, the the curses. Yeah, I mean, for he, sin the, on himself. That's, that's the last part of verse fifteen. That's all. That's all over. A death yeah, occurred yeah. to redeem us. Right. So yeah. So both of those both of those are theologically true. Um, the the question is which What's one being which emphasized? one is being emphasized? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into three. Okay. We're 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 in a super mega text-driven Tuesday. The third reason Christ's bloody death was necessary for the new covenant is so that the law would be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And we've talked we've talked about this a lot already, so right. probably don't have to spend a ton of time mm-hmm. on this. So let's kind of wrap it up with this last point. Um, by fulfilled, I mean bring it to its its end, yeah. bring it to its goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he verses eighteen through twenty-two. So he talks. He brings out. Um, Exodus 24, mm-hmm. we already talked about it. Moses brings down the, the covenant. 
Um, he, he tells it to the people of Israel. They say, we'll do all of it. He sprinkles them with blood. He sprinkles the, uh, the book with blood. He sprinkles everything. the tabernacle and the utensils and et- practically everything. That's Even the verse, people. Yeah, well, that's what verse 22 says. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Mm-hmm. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Right. Um, so what, uh, what should Israel have been expecting when they start hearing about a new covenant? They should be expecting... This was this one's going to be inaugurated by blood. Also, mm-hmm. if the old covenant is is covered in blood, um, literally <laughs> everything's right. covered in blood, then how much more will this new covenant be covered in blood? Yeah. So what um, what what we should do when we read the Old Testament is we should see all of this is pointing to Jesus. Yes. And the Jews in the Old Testament should have been anticipating this. Mm-hmm. They they had they had enough pieces that they could put it together and they could yeah. they could have recognized the Messiah when he came. That's what Jesus tells the the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Isn't this what the the <laughs> the Old Testament tells you? Isn't this what? The law and the prophets and and the writings all point to that the Christ has to suffer and then enter into His glory. Um, yeah. the the old the old covenant was covered in blood. It was inaugurated with blood. The new covenant, which is a better covenant, mm-hmm. has to be covered in even better blood. Not not the blood of of animals, but it has to be the blood of the Messiah Himself. And Peter, and First Peter picks up on this. It can be. I mean, he's super clear. Mm-hmm. Very same idea. Um, I'll just read it. Uh, He writes to the elect exiles of the dispersion, and then in verse 2 he says, According to the foreknowledge of God the Father, the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood. Right. So as the old covenant was cut, blood was sprinkled on the people. In the new covenant, we are sprinkled with the blood of Christ and made, and we are the chosen elect people yeah. of the new covenant. What's interesting is that 18 through 22 is a chiasm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about chiasms, how the, the first verses, they mirror the, the last verses, and the middle is what is supposed to be emphasized. So we've been talking a lot about chiasms lately, George. You've talked about it. Uh, I talked about it. So the day I'm rolling down, you know, we're driving to school, and I'm like, hey, let's uh, pull out a little... There was a passage I was talking to my kids about. I was like, oh, you know, when you guys think think about this verse, it's a chiasm. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay. And, and I was like, you guys, you guys know what a chiasm is, right? And they're like, no. And I said, <laughs> unlock the car. I'm about to jump out of the car <laughs> and just let, and I'm just going to roll down you the street. A, you had a handout on chiasms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're doing a great job of teaching. That's right. <laughs> I talk about chiasms almost every Wednesday night as we're going through the Psalms. Uh, all these Psalms are, are chiasms, but the chiasm is supposed to emphasize the middle. The middle of this chiasm is verse 19. This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded me, uh, commanded for you. Um, that's almost exactly what Jesus says almost, to his it's disciples. Almost exactly. It's almost it's almost word for word. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he's emphasized, and the gospels, right. the gospels have already. This is this is probably a little bit later than uh-huh. than uh, at least the three synoptic gospels. Yeah. People are already hearing this. Um, they should have immediately been like, "Jesus said this." this is Matthew twenty six. Yeah, Matthew twenty six. Yeah, Jesus said this. Yeah, he said that. Um, so Moses said yeah. this inaugurating the old covenant. Mm-hmm. Jesus said this, 
right before he inaugurated the new covenant. Yep. Um, the whole Old Testament is just this neon sign, this neon arrow pointing to Jesus and the cross. Um, the the Jews of the Old Testament should have been anticipating this. Um, and these Christians that the writer of Hebrews is um, is writing to who are being tempted to leave the church to go back to to the, the old covenant institutions, they need to be reminded this is what it's it was all pointing to. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't go back because this is the fulfillment of, right. of everything that the law talks about. All right. Good job. All right. George, we may have set a record for texture and you, Tuesday. You had one more question, though. What was your well, question? I, I want to hold it for, la- okay, for later. You want me? Right. If I ask this question, I George, decide. we're going to be here another hour. Okay, all right, all right. Well, and funny. I don't. I, and I, and you funny. did a good job with your argument. And I don't want to like be uh, be like trying to undermine what the work you did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. Because probably nobody else thought of it. Okay. You know. Not, just us, not, Ca- not Calvin. Just not, not, no, uh, no. Just the no. I mean, like in the church, like, oh, okay. like just us weird people that sit uh, around yeah, yeah. staring at the wall, thinking about theology. <laughs> you know, yeah. picking our beards. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Thanks for listening today. Uh, super long text driven Tuesday. Ought to hold you over for a couple days, probably. Um, thanks for listening. Hopefully, you know more about Hebrews now than you did before you listened. I know that I'm learning a lot about Hebrews as we're working through. Um, One more sermon. Looking forward to it. And then we'll... Who knows what we'll do? It'll be a surprise. Do something else. I don't know. I'll I'll be back in Ecclesiastes, or maybe the other elders will jump in. Okay. That's always open for them Uh during the the, uh, December period. But if this has been a blessing to you, please like, subscribe, share, maybe even write us a review and help us get the word out there. It's our hope this helps you to be more conformed to Christ. See you at Text Driven Tuesday. No, wait. Free for all Friday. Free for all Friday. (laughs) See you for Free for all Friday. (laughs) See you.